Welcome to Marketing, Management, and Money. I'm your host, Brian Murray. I'm your host, Ryan Owens. This is the podcast where we talk about all things small business. Want to make you successful, share a little insight, share a little humor, have a good time. Today, we are going to be talking about target marketing. What a misconstrued topic that floats out there in business. You always hear it. It's a buzzword. It's something that everyone's like, oh, what's our target market here? You'll see it in these business case studies. Yeah. You'll see it in business plans. And most of the time, it's just a bunch of words or placeholders. or It's like Wikipedia. Yeah. My target market is... People so, trying to sound smart. People trying to sound smart. So, Ryan, would you please sound smart for us? So, let's make it... No, I'm not going to try to sound smart. That's not what this is about. Let's make it real. Uh, what? Is, so people ask you, like like you said, what is your target market? Uh, we are referring to your best existing customer, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So this is the type of person or type of business that buys a bunch from you, loves to buy from you. They don't necessarily think you're perfect in every way. They might have some qualms with you, but still, nonetheless, they're buying a lot. So you've got an expression you use a lot. What do you yeah. like to call so this? I actually heard this from uh, the Harmon brothers. Uh, they created the Squatty Potty ads and, and others that are so famous and so mm -hmm. viral. Um, and I love it. I love just the the aura that it carries with it. They call it their love group, mm -hmm. right? So this is the group of people that just rave about whatever product or service it is that a business provides. And and I think we need to break some stigma around target market. I mean, this is, this is critical to the success of a business. You've got yeah. to understand your target market. But if you think in terms of demographics, yeah. you're never going to get it. And right. So when you're calling it love group, yeah. it's not some hippie thing. It's right. saying- It's got more of a personality to it. It's, it's actual. It's real. It's a real person. Mm -hmm. And you see, you hear all the, or at least I have- when you talk about creating a target market or, or a persona for people, you want to actually have, you want to put a name to it. And mm -hmm. that's cute. I like that. It's, it's headed in the right direction, but that doesn't quite do it for me. You need to like actually be in, in contact with these people and this, this group of people, because it's not just one person, you know? And I think that marketers all around the world get that, but for me, anyway, I like to look at it as as the love group, as this group of people who really just love what I'm doing. Okay. So I feel like we're a little bit theoretical here for a second. Okay. Let's bring it into some action steps of what our listeners can do. I mean, we've told them, oh, there's so many problems here, and then you know, but but <laughs> yeah. what, what do they Touché. do to really get into who their target market is, who their love group is, what are the action steps they should be taking? Okay. So as a small business, as an established small business, you have a couple of advantages um, above over the startup. Yeah. Over, over an, an entrepreneur that's just getting started. Mm -hmm. You have some historical data that you can look at and start to kind of track down this group of people. Um, you can look at financials and say, okay, who are my top customers? Even if you don't necessarily have the actual data 
the to, actual financial statements. Yeah. I mean, we would all love to have perfect information and somebody like you that has everything neatly dialed in on the financial <laughs> management side of things. <laughs> Which we will be talking about in our next episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we, we would all love to have that, but even if you, and it's great to have that, we should be having that. But even if you don't, you can still kind of go with the gut check and see, you know, I know that I interact with these people on a regular basis and they buy a lot of my products. Mm -hmm. And so you can kind of guess who your top three or five customers are. And maybe you could use the 80-20 rule. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, there you go. So, so a lot of times businesses will look at this and they'll be like, all right. 80% of my revenue is coming from only 20% of my customers. Yeah. And that sort of thinking that, uh, you know, that, that, that rule of thumb helps us to hone in on when we say a love group or a target. And this is where I like the term target because 20% is, is the small group. I'm mm -hmm. not trying to identify a hundred percent of my customers. I'm really trying to hone in yeah. on this target group and so if I'm saying, okay, where's where's the bulk of my revenue coming from and who are those top customers? And now I got to get to understand them. I got to get to understand mm -hmm. why they love what I do. Yeah. And so the the option or not the option, but the, the benefit that entrepreneurs who are just getting started have is if you look at... Uh, like a product life cycle. You have okay. the early adopters, right? Mm -hmm. People that are on the ground floor, like before they, something's even They released. want it. They're lining up around the block. Yeah. So okay. as an entrepreneur who's just getting started is out talking about these things, can kind of look for those people that are like, whoa, hey, where do I sign up? Can I give you my money right now? Can mm -hmm. I actually buy? Where is this? How do I get this? Like you kind of want to grab onto that person a little bit and say, yeah, stick with me here. Let's, let's kind of pick your brain. Yeah. You know? Let me learn why you are so excited about this. Exactly. So best existing customer is something you can kind of uncover, discover in multiple ways, right? Age now, are we talking startups still? Because when you're saying well, best existing customer, where are you going with this? So, um, coming back to the target market, right? Your, your love group or your best existing customer, whether that's an entrepreneur or a small business that's already established, you can, you can uncover those things in multiple ways. Okay. Depending on, you know, what you have available to you. I'm just, what I'm getting at is that it's not necessarily one hard and fast way, one rigid process that you have to go through in order to come up with this Agreed. best existing yes. customer. Yes. Right. And so utilize the resources that you have available to you is kind of what I'm getting at. Okay. Um, so once you have kind of wrapped your head around your best existing customer, who this group might be, your love group, your early adopters, whoever, whatever you want to call it. Once you've kind of wrapped your head around that, the next question is, what do you do with that? How do you use that information? Really like to do is I like to start to look for common characteristics that are going to help me make better decisions to kind of target this group. Mm -hmm. One of the mistakes that I see is people start going to demographics. Yeah. So, you know, I've got this best customer and they happen to be, you know, a man and he's 42 years old and he has a household income of $80,000. 
and therefore I need to sell to men who are you know between ages of forty and fifty and have household incomes of eighty thousand to a hundred thousand dollars. And I'm like, right. that's all demographic information. That's really not very telling. So what I'm looking for is I'm looking for characteristics. I'm not as interested in like your age. More I'm interested in your lifestyle, your interests, what you spend your time on, what you care about. And so perhaps this, you know, this man, he might be into fly fishing and I might have a 17-year-old who is also into fly fishing and they can both be in my target market and it's not because of their age, it's because of their joint interest in you know, this particular sport or this particular activity. Yeah. And and so I'm looking for these characteristics. And the only way that I'm going to get to these characteristics is to take the time to develop a relationship with them. Yeah, exactly. And I was just going to, I was just going to mention that, that, so I asked the question, how do you use this information? I think you made it an important shift in the conversation where you pulled it back because, uh, that, that definitely is the vital information that you want to know. And that's kind of what I was alluding to. I probably didn't do the best job of explaining to it. You know, this isn't necessarily something you're going to have on paper, the demographics. You're not going to have, you can write John, or you can give this, this profile on a piece of paper, a name, mm-hmm. but that's not really effective. What's effective. Like you're talking about is getting to know these people, connecting with these people And so once you've identified your top two or three customers, spend some time with them. Holy crap. What a novel concept. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Reach out to these people and say, hey, you know, we really appreciate you having uh, been so involved with our company, um, connecting with us and purchasing with us from so long. We just want to express our appreciation and, you know, do some things to get to know you a little bit better to see what else we can offer you to see how we can better serve you. So it really becomes a uh, conversation where there's benefit on both sides, right? You can reach out and build that relationship, but also receive the information that you need. And and this is where it's really key that we're targeting because yes. if I start building the relationship with people that are outside of my love group, if I start building this relationship with people who are not my top buyers, they're going to skew the direction. So mm-hmm. I've got a core group that they love what I do. They want me to produce more of it. They want to buy from me. And if I start asking everyone else their opinion, they're not the love group. They're kind of on the fringe. They're the ones that are just like, ah, you know, I'm okay, but what I really want is this. And then all of a sudden I'm starting to pull away and my core group is now getting offended. And they're right. just like, whoa, 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 you guys used to be great. You used to take care of my needs and you were almost, you know, two steps ahead of every thought that I had to where, you know, I'm like, oh, I wish they had that product. And I go to the website and it's already there. And, and now you're doing all this other stuff that I don't like anymore. And, and, yeah. and, and, and I'll see a lot of these businesses, they get caught kind of in between these two spots where they feel like, oh, a broader audience is going to generate more sales. And so I got to go big. I got to go broad. Right. And they lose sight of this target of this, of this sharp focus. And, you know, in going broad, they now appeal to nobody. Right. And, and so, but 
you, you have to have faith and trust that as you, you know, focus on this target group, they're going to be more like-minded individuals that if you're really meeting the needs of this target group, then that's going to attract the other like-minded individuals and expand yeah. your love group. So the goal is not to expand your base, it's to expand your love group. Exactly. That is such a powerful concept. And it honestly is a little bit scary because it's like, it kind of comes back to the marketing triangle, right? You are going to offend some people by taking a stance. There mm. are some people that are going to be like, mm, that's not my jam. Yeah. Or, yeah, I like that product, but it's not exactly what I want. Mm-hmm. And it's it's okay. That's totally okay because that person is it just says that that person isn't your target audience. Mm-hmm. They're not your best existing customer. And what happens when you focus in on your best existing customer, when you can kind of, like you said, have faith in that process and stick to that specific target is, like you mentioned, you attract that group that is your best existing customer, but yeah. then it begins to grow. Yeah. And that, that base begins to get larger and larger. You're not expanding out to appease the interests of everybody else. You're still going to offend a bunch of people <laughs> by being too high priced or not feature rich enough or too sleek or, you know, right. What I mean? Right. And here's a really interesting thing is that with the, uh, you know, with the target market, I have a lot of entrepreneurs that feel like somehow targeting your efforts is limiting who can buy from you. And it's no, if someone wants to buy from you, let them buy from you. You can, you can sell to anyone. They they don't have to be your target market in order for them to buy, Right. but you don't want to market to everyone. So there's this difference here. There's this distinction of, am I selling to you or am I marketing to you? Yes. And you'll make lots of sales that you didn't Mm -hmm. market toward but you need to make sure that your marketing efforts because marketing is very costly not only in you know direct cash but it's also costly in time and it's costly in other resources that your company is going to put into your marketing efforts and so if i'm going after this broad reach all i've done is i've just raised the costs of my company considerably exactly when i can target my marketing but you know, if I'm if I'm targeting people who are interested in you know retro design with a uh, you know a splash of technology put into it, and someone who is completely not tech savvy and not into a trendy design still wants to buy my product, I sell it to them. Exactly. It, it doesn't stop me from doing anything. Exactly. So if we go back to the 80-20 rule, you're focusing on that 20% or at least some of those in your 20% become your best existing customers, but there's still that 80%, right? Mm-hmm. You're still selling to those people because they do support your your cash the cash flow and and health of your business. Mhm. Yeah. So when we uh, talked about uh, when we talked about building the relationships, I wanted to jump back on a piece that I think is really important, and I see a lot of people use this to try and get information about their target market, and that's the survey. <laughs> yeah. What What are your thoughts on <laughs> surveys? Oh man, just by that reaction, you can tell I 
love. <laughs> like oh. surveys are the the absolute wow. when it comes I, to I wish people gathering could, could see your face right now because it's it, yeah. the BSO meter is going off, man. <laughs> you, you don't believe me? <laughs> no, no, no. So, ah, man. Our, our surveys, surveys bad. Our surveys I, bad. That's what I was just going to say. Surveys have their place, right? Okay. They're not bad. Okay. But I... Can I build a relationship with the oh survey? Oh, gosh. No. You, I mean, no. I'm going to say no. Maybe some obscure way, one of our listeners is going to write in and be like, <laughs> no, I love this survey. And this is why you're demonizing the survey. And I love... And I, I mean, I get it. The survey has a place and it probably does help build relationship in some specific instances. However, my experience has been that the companies that I've worked with that use surveys don't get reliable information back because I mean, uh, you shared a statistic with me one more time or one time and you're going to have to refresh my memory. Isn't it like 1% uh, of, of, return on a survey is like a super good number. Yeah. yeah. Mo most companies that are putting out surveys, they're getting very small percentages. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, one, two, three, maybe 4% yeah. uh, is, is a pretty good response rate yeah. on, on a large survey. Yeah. Uh, there are techniques you can do to get above that, but still yeah. your small business, they're probably getting pretty small response rates. Yeah. So, uh, one thing that I like to think of in regard to surveys is I get asked all the time to take surveys, whether that's when I call in because my wife canceled my bank card and <laughs> I had to get a new one and they're like, Hey, take a survey. Uh, yeah. Ignore. You uh -huh. know what I mean? Right. The vast majority of the time when I get asked to take a survey, I ignore it. So right. that the other side of that is that there is a specific set of people who will respond to a survey. Right? right. Right. And I've seen it where companies will send out a physical mailer with a survey and the responses they get back, you can just tell that it's a bunch of people sitting at home with nothing better to do. Yeah. Right? So, so I'm going to get a little technical here. And, uh, if you're ever going to engage in surveys, you need to understand the basics yeah. of statistically significant information. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, there are certain sample sizes that you have to have. There are certain, you know, a, a spread of, of uh, you know, of, of sources and samples. It, you can't just go to the low-hanging fruit, grab that information, and expect it to be representative. Yeah. The other thing to keep in mind is, as we're looking at this, again we don't necessarily want to get too heavily weighted on people that are outside of our target group. So if I've got yeah. an email list of 500 people and in that email list, only a hundred of them are within my best existing customer, that top, you know, 20% uh, that are generating 80% of the revenue, but I'm sending the, e uh, the survey out to everybody. I'm getting response from people that are outside of my love group yeah. that are now skewing the data one way <laughs> yeah. or another. And so I, I got to watch for things like that. Yeah. So I want to pull it back a little bit because you totally got me ranting about surveys and how amazing they are. And then I feel like you kind of ran with that as well. So let's pull it back to what the purpose of this is. So surveys have their place. They don't necessarily build the relationship. 
Okay, right? So where that's the point of building a relationship with our best existing customers, um, what other things do we need to watch out for? I mean, I think we can we can all think of things to to do to build relationships um, with our best existing customers, but what are some other mistakes that people should be looking out for in trying to, quote unquote, build that relationship? So uh, things that are coming to my mind is uh, short-term focus is not the way to go. Uh, relationships, uh, it's, it's a long-term focus. Yeah. You've got to be genuine and authentic. Yeah. You know, it, we've all had that person who's fishing mm-hmm. and, you know, you, you don't appreciate it. You don't want someone who's coming and fishing and you can tell that they want you to say certain canned responses. Yeah. You know, they show up with a clipboard. Uh, yeah. They're doing a survey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. You said no more talking to <laughs> ah, Sorry. So, you know. You've got to be authentic. You've got to be real. You've got to care, and you've got to do something with the information that you're picking up. Yeah, and that is key. That's that's the mistake that I was hoping you would bring up, is that so often there's this outreach where people be, try do something genuine to build a relationship, but then it almost becomes disingenuous because once they get back to the office – once they bring it back home or whatever, they don't do anything with it. Yeah. And then their customer's like, wait, I thought we were like going somewhere here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You took 20 minutes of my time. Yeah. I shared all this information and come to find out you did nothing with it. Yeah. Mm, I'm not talking to you next time or yeah. I'm not going to be honest with you. Yeah. So even if your best existing customers buy a lot from you, regardless of your quirks and flaws, be genuine, yeah. right? I think that that's really what this boils down to is when you're, you know, you need to, A, figure out who your best existing customers are through whatever means you have available to you. B, start to understand what characteristics they possess and how to reach them, the best means of reaching them. And then C, once you do reach out to them in whatever mean whatever fashion that is, be genuine. Yeah, let me let me just wrap up with uh, something that actually happened to uh, my wife and I uh, recently. There's a new restaurant in town. We wanted to go check it out, so we went out to this restaurant, and uh, my wife she ordered a, a dish that normally she's a big fan of, mm-hmm. and when it came out. She just didn't like it. And she's not really a complainer, and she's trying to be okay with it. Uh, yeah. But as she's eating it, she's just like, I don't like it. And the waitress came back and said, hey, how is everything? And she's like, mm, I don't like it. And she, it, it was interesting to see the response of the company uh, because immediately they wanted to learn what was going on and so they asked her like you know what is there something wrong with it like is it not cooked correctly and she's like there's nothing wrong with the dish i just you know this is a favorite dish of mine and i don't like the way you guys do it yeah and so they they took that information and they said hey you know what we're gonna get you something else you tell them anything you want on the menu but it was interesting to see how proactive they were with the information even when it was negative and so 
when we're talking about this target marketing and we're talking about the love group, they don't love everything that you do every single time. Yes. And so, you know, we've since been back to that restaurant because she had such a, a positive experience and now she's in the love group because mm. it was, you know, yeah. the, the way that they handled a complaint that came. So, so you know, I, I just think that uh, with target marketing, man, there's a lot that we could cover. But one, yeah. of, the, one of the key takeaways that, that I just kind of want to wrap up with is as we're building those relationships, as we're understanding our customers, don't expect them to always be happy. But when they have a complaint, understand why. And if you've got the relationship and can, you know, and, and can resolve the issue, oh, man, they're, they're going to go from just your regular love group to the, the super love group. I mean, yeah. they're, they're just going to be on fire with everything that, that you have, bringing more people into that target market. All right. So... I think this has been an amazing episode. I got a great way to wrap this one up. Are you ready? Oh, boy. <laughs> when your love group gives you feedback, you better take it to heart. And with that, <laughs> we're out of here. That was solid. No, no, no. That was solid. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>